is Ryan. Sorry to miss you. Uh, send me a text or uh, send me an email at ryanbooth at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thanks. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, Ryan. This is uh, Joseph Estrade at uh, ABC Productions here in Philadelphia. We're just looking for a DP for this weekend, a DOP. Um, just wondering if you are available, um, if you know anything uh, you know, about other crew that you could get. I uh, just want to talk the whole show with you. If you can uh, give me a call back, I'd really appreciate it. See ya, buddy. <laughs> Ryan wasn't available. He didn't answer my phone call. Is he going to come on the show any, anymore? I was talking to him about a project. Uh, I, could, I could call him back. Hold on. This season of good is sponsored by Kessler Crane, manufacturers of innovative tools for filmmakers. Make sure to check out KesslerCrane.com. That's K-E-S-S-L-E-R-C-R-A-N-E.com for more info. This season of good is also sponsored by MusicBed. MusicBed has been changing the game when it comes to music licensing for filmmakers through curating the best indie music in the world. We personally use them all the time, so make sure you do too. For more info, check out musicbed.com. Now here's the show. Hey everyone, my name is Jared Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is good. Guys, just please forgive Jared's Big Gulp, 7-Eleven Big Gulp, that he's drinking currently. Um, Jared, yes. it's been a minute. Have you been okay? I'm Are you great. Right? Yes. Why do you always ask me like that? Like something's wrong. Because you never reply to any of my text, phone calls, <laughs> IMs, <laughs> Facebook messages, Twitter messages, Instagram messages, none of them. That's not true. So I have, this is the only point of contact that I have with you. I need to make sure you're okay. Doing fine. Okay. I'm actually Let's, great. Okay. Well, I, um, you asked and then I answer. I don't feel like you even actually want to hear the answer to your question. That's not I'm true. I'm doing great. Okay. Christian. I just want a little bit of an update. But not too much. Yeah, not too much. Okay. But let's, let's update the, the uh, audience here. Um, On what? I don't, I don't know. I thought, I thought we would just go. Um, yeah, we're both still unemployed. Uh, is that what you call it? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say I'm unemployed. Is that what you put on your taxes? Yeah, like if <laughs> you know, if someone says, if I meet somebody in an airplane, yeah, what do you do? I'm unemployed. <laughs> I'm taking it day by day. Uh, that is, you know, yeah. I would say half the time I am unemployed. Yeah. Maybe like maybe a third maybe, of the time. Yeah, maybe a week out of the month I am employed. Uh, that's about it. Yeah. Um, but heck, those are that's one good week. You know what I mean? It's a great week. Um, so how's your how's your little baby in your wife's tummy doing? Okay. <clears throat> yep, almost here. I'm excited. You should be. Uh, well, you should also be excited about this week's episode. Yeah. Well, you okay? Maybe you should explain this week's a little bit different. 
Yeah, I was, I had seen a film uh, maybe a year ago. Um, I think it was actually just a trailer for a feature film that was coming out called Raised by Crump. But yeah, we're in the show notes. We'll we'll put the uh, the trailer for it, and uh, we just talked about this film and how serendipitous it was that it all kind of worked out like the, the way that it actually worked out. So, um, but yeah, it's just me and, and Maceo and, uh, Jared was off doing something else. I don't remember, but, uh, Important. but yeah, just in, uh, enjoy the, the episode, enjoy the interview and, uh, Jared, any last words? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, um, let's talk about Raised by Crump, man. Okay, nice. Let's uh, let's just dive into it, I guess. Um, when did the f- project first come to you? Like, how did it even how did it even come to you? Okay, this this is actually my favorite story to tell, and I'm going to tell you why. And um, so we rewind the time now. I think it's 2013, maybe. And just to explain a little bit about me and like how I grew up and stuff. Uh, I come from a family of dancers. Like my dad's a professional dancer and my sister's a choreographer. And my mom dances in the living room. I never danced until I was around 17 or something. So I started going with my dad on these dance events. And through (laughs) these dance events, like he used to judge. And basically what he did at these dance events, like he's, he's a street dancer. So he does this dance called like Boogaloo and Popping. And he's one of the innovators, actually. And he, he's from the States as well. I'm half American, actually. Oh, cool. For those where's, he, where's he from in the States? He's from, uh, I mean, he's from everywhere, kind of. Like, he grew up moving around. But I think he was born, actually, he was born in Los Angeles. Uh, I think he spent most of his time in California and Hawaii, but they were moving around everywhere. Yeah. So I don't think he knows himself. <laughs> but anyhow, so... I started going to these dance events. I wanted to learn how to dance. And through these events, while my dad was judging or having a showcase or, or teaching people, like I, I got to tag along and I got to make tons of new friends. And it was kind of like, it was one of the, it was pretty amazing growing up being able to do that. And I remember uh, 2013, maybe 2000, actually it was 2012. And I was in, I went to this event in, the Czech Republic, and it was called Street Dance Camp. And on this place, uh-huh. at this place, uh, the crump dancers were having a showcase. And for me, like crump dancing at that time, I had no idea what it was. And uh, the music was super aggressive, and it was just this bunch of guys that looked super tough and macho. <laughs> and f- for me, I was like, nah, you know, th- that that I don't know if that's my thing because I don't know. Right. It was just like. So much, but then one night they had this showcase where they first like people were telling like about their life stories, and and it was like it gave me a little bit of perspective. I was like, wow, this dance it sounds actually pretty cool. Like the story behind it, and then there was this one guy named Tide Eyes who's one of the innovators of the dance, and he was uh, doing a showcase, and that showcase I just remember that showcase blowing everybody's minds. Yeah, uh, like nobody was prepared for what they were about to witness on that day. And I just remember looking to my right and I see my dad sitting next to me, just like with an open mouth, like he's holding his iPad, shaking, trying to film this. I, I hold the camera, I'm filming it, but 
I'm shaking. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Like the whole yeah. crowd went nuts. Like people around me are crying. Me, myself, something happens in that moment. And it's like I get like a life epiphany, you know, kind of. Wow, yeah. And I get like struck by some, I don't know what it was, like some truth or whatever. And I was like, shit, you know what? I need to go back to Sweden. I need to quit my job. I need to end this relationship. I need to fix this. I need to, like, it was kind of like I got like a download of like, <sighs> of just like truth. And and anyhow, and I remember. from like, Well, just to understand from a from this guy's dance routine or dance performance. Yeah, from his dance performance. And basically. That's so just, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And so just to explain crump dancing a little bit, uh, it's a dance that the more deep that you when you do it the more deeper you go into yourself the more you express yourself the the more you get like the more cred you get so it's like you got this crowd around you that's just hyping this dancer up and if you're able to go like deep within yourself like sometimes these dancers even start crying and if you go there it's like everybody goes nuts like wow you know screaming so it's it's a pretty cool thing because it, it stemmed from this I mean, it was born in South Central and in Compton, man. So, yeah. I mean, these are neighborhoods that aren't like the easiest to grow up, grow up with, and it's places where uh, people grow up and being told not to cry, not to express themselves. Like you've got to be hard, you've got to be tough. So that this dance is like created like this anti-movement from that, and just these people being able to express themselves. Right. I mean, that, that gets to you. So when you see that for the first time, it was different from all other street dances that I've seen. Because a lot of dances gotten lost in. You have to do a move, you have to do a backflip, and it has to impress the crowd, and the crowd goes like, whoa. But this was more like you could see in the guy's facial expressions that he was going through something. And that's what got to me <laughs> and got to everybody in that room. So if I fast forward now a couple of years, I'm starting to do my documentaries, and I do like do one after the other and I do the Ishtar project and from the Ishtar project uh, I people start calling in different parts of the world uh, different companies wanting to like do collaborations and stuff and this one company called Made by Forest uh, calls me uh, that are based in Los Angeles and basically they say it's like Macy we love your film we want to work with you and we want to fly you out here for a meeting, but maybe when you're out here, maybe you would like to do a project with us. Wow. And it's like, do you have anything you want to do? It's like, hmm, wait a minute. I've been dreaming about filming this freaking guy that did that dance solo 2012 for like four or five years ago. So, uh, yes, I have something I want to do in L.A. because I know that this guy's from L.A. So I pitched a project then and there. Dude, three weeks later... I'm in Los Angeles filming this film. Wow. That is kind of a, <laughs> a, a good impetus to start something from, for sure. This season of Good is sponsored by Musicbed. Musicbed's community doesn't stop at music licensing. Their in-depth interviews, features, and short films, their blog is built for filmmakers at every level of their career. It's a great place to find inspiration and learn from some of the most influential names in the film industry. 
including interviews with National Geographic's Andy Baker and Carl Sprague, who designed some of Wes Anderson's most iconic set pieces. You can also watch live sessions with music vet artists filmed in their studio and short films featuring innovative artists and creatives. Check out the blog at blog.musicbed.com. As always, Musicbed is offering 20% off your next music license. Just enter promo code GOOD at checkout. For more than a decade, Kessler Crane has been designing and manufacturing innovative tools for filmmakers, including camera cranes, jibs, motion control systems, sliders, dollies, tripods, and other camera accessories. They also have a commitment to making products in the USA. For more info, go to KesslerCrane.com good. That's K-E-S-S-L-E-R-C-R-A-N-E dot com slash good. Also enter the code GOODPODCAST during checkout. Save 10% off your entire order. Now, let's get back to the show. So, um, tell me a little bit about the, uh, how you guys approached it. Like, what was the, uh, since you didn't, you didn't have that much of a timeline, I guess, uh, for pre-production, uh, what was the uh, initial thoughts and approach and, and how were you going to go and shoot it? So, it started off actually, uh, like, a mail this guy, like, after the whole production company jumped on board, I, may, I emailed this guy, Tide Eyes. I got an answer from his manager. He didn't reply himself. I got an answer from his manager. And he told me, Maceo, uh, we, this project sounds interesting. And uh, we're going to be in Dusseldorf in Germany next week. Do you want to oh, come wow. over for a meeting? So I, I bought a ticket. I flew over and I, I, like, I pitched the project a little bit. And from there, the project grew. So I, fl- I, fl- I flew to L.A. And actually the... I just know I wanted to do some kind of documentary portrait of this guy. Yeah. And I had some videos that were huge inspiration to me. And it's uh, like, I mean, dude, I'm in love with the Flying Lotus stuff. Like, right. uh, the Until the Quiet Comes is a huge inspiration. And it can also be seen that I'm inspired a lot by Khalil Joseph Yeah, uh, in the film. And... But just to tell the story, because it's, it's a quite funny journey, actually. So I, I go to Düsseldorf. I do the meeting. Everything is confirmed. We book the dates. I go to L.A. I, and I, we're going to go have one more meeting before we, we're going to start shooting. And it's, everything is a little bit improvised. And I, I go to Long Beach. And they're not like the most fun part of Long Beach. And I'm <laughs> supposed to have a meeting with this guy. And he doesn't show up. Oh, no. And he, he, I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. I'm with the team. I'm with the producer. And I brought the DOP to. And then we're sitting in the car. People are walking past us looking at us. It's just like this, this weird situation. And this guy, he shows up three hours later. And... <laughs> And I can't. Like, I'm so happy we had the patience because when we go in, uh, like everything's a bit stiff. We haven't seen each other, and I start like warming everybody up, and I start like pitching the idea. And I think I made a little mood film of what I wanted to do. The film was originally intended to be three minutes long, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do something. I knew I wanted to do something with a body mount, and and dancing, and do some interview about like. I know his passion in life kind of and dive more deeply into the dance. But he told me like, dude, we love this idea, but we're going to Tokyo tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, 
but we're going to film this weekend, right? It's like, no, but I'm going to be gone for two weeks. And in that moment, I'm like, shit, okay, dude, I need to solve this right now. So in that moment, I have a, like, kind of panicking a little bit. Yeah. I have, like, this whole team here. I have this company that's, like, taking, you know, they invested money in just doing this project. And, the, to, and the, this random guy, filmmaker from Sweden, and, I'm, <laughs> and I, I, I remember I tell Tidus, like, okay, uh, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know if I can stay for until you get back. I will try, but I have two weeks here when you're going to be gone that I'm going to have to film. So I'm going to have to change the story a little bit. So now this film, it can't just be uh, about you. Uh, so let's do something like this instead with more people, maybe the younger generation, like the people that are coming up. And I told him, like, I need like strong, independent woman. I need a kid and I need a young man, like a teenager. And I don't know how these characters like popped up in my mind. So he tells me that I should go to a crump event the same night to see if I can find him. So I go to this event and I know that I know I hear rumors that do like some really cool, like dancing kids, like some crump kids are going to be there. Yeah. And it's, it's also like a female crumping event. So there's like uh, female battles, but everybody's there. I mean, guys and girls, everybody's there like supporting the movement. <laughs> And I'm walking around and I'm looking at people dancing and I'm trying to figure out like, hmm, who am I gonna, like, who am I gonna approach? And my reference is this guy dancing, uh, like four years earlier. And I just remember like this expression in his face and that kind of, like, the pain that he could express. But yeah. at this event, I was looking around and I was like, people were super good, but I couldn't find the one. Yeah, And I remember I looked at this, there was this girl standing in the back and she just looked so cool and she didn't dance. She didn't like move a thing, you know, she was just standing there watching and I couldn't like take my eyes off of her. And I was like, hmm, there's something about this lady that like, she's so cool. I bet she's a really good dancer. You know, some people just have that aura. And then Tidice walks up to me and it's like, Maceo, I need to introduce you to uh, one of the best dancers. So he introduces me to this woman named Miss Prissy, who's an amazing person. And she's one of the stars of the film, actually. And so I talked to her a little bit. And she says, okay, this, you know, this sounds interesting, but uh, I can't talk about this right now. So come swing by my house. Like, let's, let, let's have a meeting another day. You can come by my house for dinner or something another day. Like, she doesn't want to get into, like, this business kind of. She doesn't want to think about work. Because that was yeah. what it was at that time. So I started to talk to some like friends like next to her and I started speaking to this one guy who's he's the easiest guy to like to deal with. Just super nice, super friendly. And I just remember thinking like, oh, this guy is the nicest, most genuine person. I wish this guy was a dancer because that would have been like just so easy to deal with. So anyhow, fast forward three days, I go to Miss Pris's place and... Uh, and I'm trying to pitch the idea for her. I play her an old documentary that I did uh, with a couple of dancers. And basically tell her, I was like, just so you understand, like, my vibe and the spirit behind what I do. It's like, I just don't want to, I want to do something that, like, celebrates you guys in this movement. And just so you've seen something, so you can have a reference about what I, what I am. So I show this film. 
and she points to one of the person, like one of the people in the film. It's like, oh, you know what? That guy dancing there, I love that guy. I met him in Paris 2007. And I'm like, you know what? That guy, that's my dad. <laughs> and it's so crazy. Somehow, <laughs> Miss Prissy and my dad had met 2007 uh-huh. in Paris at some dancing and just like became best friends like on, on that like short amount of time. So she was like, oh my God, she was freaking out. And she was like, dude, you're Damon's son? Like, like, no way. And she was like freaking out. And like everybody in the house like, yo, this guy is like this Macy's son. No, this Damon's son. It's like, wow. So that's like kind of how I got in. (laughs) And from there, dude, everything was clear. Like like, everything went smooth. And it was funny. I told her, it was like, it was yeah anyhow the next day i'm like okay okay she's going to be one of the main people in this film and i look, i go on i look on the internet a little bit i go on to her like uh vimeo page because she yeah. does uh she does some films too and i see the guy that i spoke to the other day that i thought was so nice that i wished was a dancer well turns out he's amazing and his name is christopher uh, lewis and his nickname is Worm. That's his dance name. Yeah. And I just remember seeing that video online and it just blows my mind. And he has that thing, you know. He has the thing, the little... Like the, the, the X Factor, the in, intangible... Yeah, the quality. intangible. The intangible quality. So I call Miss Prissy up. It's like, you know him. You know Worm. It's like, yeah, that's my best friend. So this whole so thing... Everything was coming together. Everything just come comes together. Yeah. And... And I like on the same night I approached like a fa- the father to two kids. I I never seen them dance, but it was like you know you can come to my barber shop in in Crenshaw, and we can you can talk more about this. I like I got an Uber to Crenshaw. I <laughs> I I went into this barber shop and it was, I mean, I hung out with this guy named Fud, who's such an amazing guy. And such an amazing father to these kids. And we, I told them a little bit about the project. And boom, suddenly I had my cast of the film. Yeah. And the, the fun thing, like the reminder for me is I just remember like in the first days being super nervous, like panicking a little bit. It's like, how am I going to pull this film off? I got this company believing in me. Like, how am I going to uh, deliver? And I felt all this pressure. And I mean, quickly, like just nailing them and just nailing those characters down and and filming, I realized, you know, it's all about going outside your comfort zone, kind of. I mean, that's how you how you do these things. You have to just go out there and go get it. And that's what that's what I had to do. And I just remember the first day of shooting. I, I remember I wanted to have a steady cam yeah and we couldn't afford it so we had like the gimbal gyro but the alexa mini was new for the ronin so yeah. it couldn't it didn't fit i just remember like the day before the sh- shoot we, i spent like seriously i think it was like 20 hours just trying to figure out how to <laughs> mount it and like how to get it to work and because it didn't have the latest wires and stuff like the, the right right yeah the batteries that are not connected so it's like just yeah it wasn't tested and so I, I just remember going to shoot. I was like, oh, shit, this, 
I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. But actually, it, it turned out really good just by us going handheld instead, like going handheld and using the, the Easter rig. And we managed from that just be quick and flexible and film probably like three times the amount of shots that we would right, have if right. we were, were to use the Ronin. Did you end up doing the body mount stuff? A lot of it looks like... Yeah, yeah, we, uh, went, we, went, we did the body mount stuff too. And that's, that's, I mean, I'm in love with the body mount after that. I think it's so cool. That's amazing. Tell me a little bit about Robin. Uh, he seems like an interesting character. I've never heard of him until uh, I saw the race, race uh, by Crump stuff. Because um, he's also from, he's from Stockholm, right? Yeah, Robin's from Stockholm. And I remember Robin also like in my, my younger days. We're, I'd say we're maybe not childhood friends from early childhood, but like like from the teenage years. So right. Robin is also friends with uh, the, one of my best friends, uh, Lionel Cabrera, which he, he filmed one of the, uh, the Namibia Cuba film that I did. Okay. And so I, re- I remember Robin like, Macy, I think I want to get into filmmaking like, yeah. uh, <laughs> like many, many years ago. And I remember like just seeing like his process and like uh, doing his things. And then he moved to L.A. and he's actually one of the links how I got in contact with the company there. Right. So he was living there, like shooting stuff for them. And I remember like I'd, I'd never worked with the guy before. Like we were just good friends. And but it, it made perfect sense since he 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 lived in L.A. and he's just been super hungry and like wanting to prove himself and to do something like at the next level. And when, when we were filming that project, Dude, I, I fell in love with the guy, like the, right. and just the, the creativity behind, behind the camera angles. And cause sometimes like as a director, like I, I, I used to hold the camera a lot, like before, like a lot of things I've actually shot myself. Uh, and that kind of makes me, I don't know. I always know the exact angle that I want. Right. Like, because I feel like a cinematographer myself, like deep inside, but I don't claim it. I don't, I don't want to work with it, but I have that gene. And so when working with Robin, it's just, it was that natural chemistry of not like you thinking you want this angle, but then it's like, eh, but what if you do this? And I'm like, oh, right. Okay. It's like, dude, I'm just going to let you do your thing. And that feels <laughs> so good when you yeah. find that combination. Right. Yeah, there's always something interesting when you can um, give up a little bit of control on something, and then it actually makes your thing better. It's yeah. it's really weird because, you know, I grew up the same way too, like having to do everything myself, you know, even from pre-production to post-production, you know, you were color grading your own stuff too, and like storyboarding your own stuff, but you would just shoot it yourself. It didn't really make any sense, but... Uh, but yeah, there's something interesting when you can find that person in the world that kind of sees, you know, and values the same things that you do on the screen, you know. Definitely, um, man. Definitely. So yeah, man. Where uh, where can people see it? It's not out, and um, right now we're doing a little festival tour. Okay. And um, so the next stop, we we just had a screening in New York at a fest- film festival called NIF, a Nordic International Film Festival, which we won, which is amazing. It's amazing. Thanks to the guys there. And the thing that one of the, like, 
a little dream of mine actually has been getting into IDFA, which is a film festival in Amsterdam. It's a documentary film festival, which is the biggest documentary film festival in the world. Wow. And we got in there. So actually I'm flying out on Wednesday <laughs> and I'm, they're going to show the film freaking set. I think it's like six or seven times or something. Wow. So that's, I'm super excited about that. So I'm going there on Wednesday. I got my festival pass. I'm just going to like relax, go to tons of film screenings and just see what people are up to in the world. Now. Yeah. So that's in Amsterdam. So it's going to be shown on ITFA. And then I'm going to, uh, on the race, but comes that I'm gonna I'm not put the next dates because the next location we're gonna do one in Berlin, and we're gonna do one screening in New York again, and then we're gonna go to LA. And if you wanna like follow up with where those those dates, you can follow me on social media or go on the racebycrump.com website. Awesome. Well, dude, that's such an amazing story. Honestly, like everything, um, the way everything kind of came together, and the, even the way that it felt so lost at some point and then and then it it found its own it's it found its own feet you know which is really fun too i'm sure it was stressful as hell <laughs> uh, being a part of it but yeah um but yeah man just uh real quick like what would you what advice would you give you know from the experiences that you've gained uh what are some advices that you would give to young filmmakers that are trying to find their way i mean there's so so many advices like one thing a lot of people uh, who realize they want to do film in, in later days, uh, some like people can get frustrated maybe that they didn't start when they were as young, or they can get frustrated that they like they don't really know how to get into it or how to start working with it. But I think like really I think to like really like get into it and master it. It's like you really have to do it from. You have to find the, the fun in it, and mm -hmm. you have to find uh, you have to do it and find out how it helps you. So, so I could I could be walking around making films all day, and about ponies and about dancers. But if I didn't do like a film that felt, I don't know, like it was something that I'm interested in. Like it's for me, it's like doing a film. It's it can be soul searching sometimes. Yeah. And if you're managing to like combine the fun of it and the soul searching aspect where you take something that you're interested in, or maybe your family grew up there and you've never been there and you want to go there and get to know more about yourself. I mean, it's like film is such a powerful tool for that. And it should be self exploration tool, uh, a tool for like getting out of your comfort zone and seeing the world like, and being able to express something that you might not, be able to express otherwise i mean if like go for that first and then the if you do that you follow your passion you manage to express yourself through that then like the work and and that, that kind of stuff comes later but i th definitely think that i mean that that's my advice like feel the fun in it and you don't necessarily have to like hmm, how am i going to get jobs with it it's like it's right. not. A, it's not about you getting jobs with it, because uh, it's, it's about you doing your passion. And when people see you expressing yourself and like telling your voice, that's when you get jobs with it. Right. 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 I mean, sure, you could work with it, but then I mean, I think just having the like the passion project approach is 
it's always gonna win man like for your health <laughs> right that's good advice man well uh Maceo, thanks for uh, coming on the show did you uh did you have any fun <laughs> yeah man it was great this episode of good was mixed by christian stropko or as we like to call him christian number two as always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs, and you can check out more of his music at CubbySounds.com. Also, the season of Good is produced by our new friend, Mary Taylor, who'd also like to say something. I love Christian number two more than the other one. To find out more info about today's episode, make sure to go to GoodThePodcast.com. Good.